when it comes to heating up your business, it's all about making more bacon. And that requires an expert with a particular set of skills. You need a Baconologist. Building authentic connections, online networking, through social selling, relationship marketing, mindset and training. Yeah, that's bacon. Get ready, because we're about to fry up a sizzling success strategy. This is the Bacon Podcast with your host and business Baconologist, Brian Basilico. It's a lot of bees, man. Welcome, everybody. I'm your host, Brian Basilico, and this is the podcast where you learn to make your business sizzle online. So are you ready to fry up some new business? Hey, peeps. So I have a great repeat guest, and this is the first in a series where I get to interview authors of B2B books. And today's guest is Mark S.A. Smith. He's been on this podcast numerous times, and his new book is called The Nimble C-suite. We'll learn about that in a minute. But Mark, how the heck are you and where in the heck of the world are you now? I am in Port St. Joe, Florida, which is a rural part of Florida right on the Gulf Coast. It's located in the armpit of Florida. Now, that's not a derogatory statement. It just happens to be where it is when you look at the map. (laughs) Well, anyway, so today, this is the first. (laughs) One of the things I decided to do this year was to interview people who write books to B2B audiences and not necessarily a marketing for anything with a B2B audience, meaning, you know, anything about sales, about process, about leadership, about any of those kind of things. So what we're here to talk about today is your new book that is so new that it doesn't even have a cover yet. Doesn't even have a website yet. It does have a lot of content. Yeah, we we are in pre-publication right now, which means that we're handing it out to people who we want to have a, a quick look ahead of time so we don't embarrass ourselves. And that's always a good thing to do when you bring new ideas to the world. And mm-hmm. so far we've had, I don't know, maybe 100 people look at it and we've gotten really rave reviews. So the title of your book is? There's actually two books coming out simultaneously. Hmm. The title of the first book is called The Nimble C-Suite. <laughs> and so this is it's how to align the diverse strengths of your executive team to predictably deliver extraordinary results in a transformational economy. And that's the, the first one. And the reason why it's the first is because if you're going to exist in a transformational economy, we probably should talk about transformational economies as part of this, mm-hmm. is you have to get the leadership team aligned before you can do anything else in the organization. Otherwise, it's a real mess. Mm-hmm. Then the second book called The Nimble Company, a proactive, socially responsible framework for driving sustained profits and growth in a chronically chaotic world. So the first book is more strategic in that here is what you have to do to line your company up to handle socially responsible companies in a world of chaos where there is no new normal. There will not ever be a new normal ever again. And then the second book is about the tactical deployment. How do you actually do this? How do you create a nimble company? Mm -hmm. And so the concept, the key concept behind both books is that nimbility is required to work in a chaotic world where you can't predict the future. And nimbility is the intersection of resilience and innovation. Hmm. If you don't have innovation, 
we can't navigate chaos. If you don't have resilience, you will not stand navigating chaos. It's the two together that allow you to be able to step into chaos in a merge profitable. So what would be the three core takeaways from this book that people would get from reading? Okay. It? All right. So the three core takeaways. Number one is if you're going to thrive in today's chaotic environment, especially as a socially responsible company, you must become nimble. So the first thing is that you must embrace nimbility. Mm -hmm. The second thing is for you to do this, you have to reorganize your executive team. Now that's the second thing. You've got to have the executive team aligned to be able to, to be nimble and to be socially responsible. Then the third key takeaway is once you have that in place, then you can begin to stepwise roll out the concept of nimbility in your organization. But it doesn't happen until you, the leader, embraces nimbility to your your team your executive team embraces nimbility and then you can roll out the concept of nimbility to the rest of the organization so we've got the three core takeaways of of the the what now why would somebody what would be the key indicator that somebody would see your book and say i want to read this what is what is their perceived problem that they say hey i want to become more nimble i am frustrated all of my initiatives aren't working as well as they used to. Mm -hmm. My team is really resistant to any recommendations that I make. Our embracement of social responsibility has slowed down the company, not sped up the company. We are stuck. I don't know where to go next because everything that I have been taught and everything I know isn't working as well as it used to. Help. Help is important. Yes. Mm -hmm. And and so so they've gotten to that point where they're looking for help. But what is okay, so underlying, so now we've motivated the person to pick up the book and read it. But there's always a difference between what they perceive as the problem and what the real underlying problem is. So That's what is the so true, true underlying problem that is <clears throat> well the true underlying problem is something we call paradigm attachment disorder. Mm. And that is the belief that what got you here is going to take you to the next level of success. That's a paradigm attachment disorder. And a paradigm is a fancy way of saying world view. How you view the world got you to where you're going to go. But the world is moving faster than you can imagine. The, um, the cultural influences of Gen Z and Gen Alpha are going to be disruptive beyond belief. So that is a, an important beginning point to understand mm -hmm. is that you have to look at the world through a completely different lens. And this is probably a good time for us to talk about the transition that we're going through from the, um, from the experience economy to the transformational economy. When you say that, uh, what did you call it? It was um, it was something about reality distortion field or something along. Oh that. yeah, the reality <laughs> distortion field. Yeah, well, uh, nimbility creates a reality distortion field. Mm -hmm. And that that term was originally applied to Steve Jobs that he existed in a reality distortion field. Yes, he did where he would come to work and he didn't really care at all about reality of the moment. He was focused on the reality of the future that he was manifesting. Mm -hmm. And he was a nimble player in the fact that he was highly innovative and he was also highly resilient. And, and so that's an example of how you can distort reality 
but nimbility is how you go about doing it. Mm-hmm. So nimbility doesn't really care about what's real today. It's what has to change so that we can be here to play the game tomorrow mm-hmm. and the day after and the day after and the day after. So, so part of being nimble is to not be bound by the past. In fact, one of the things that creates anti-nimbility is for an executive to plan the future based on their history. Mm-hmm. You have to, in some ways, ignore your history if you're going to create a future. When we're talking about upheavals, like for example, I think the nimbility factor, and this is something that I saw, is companies last year with supply chain had a hard time getting parts, right? Yep. And yep. they're just going, we can't get parts, we can't deliver, oh my God, what do we do, right? Yep. The companies that I saw that were nimble that said, okay, we can't sell this because we can't get things shipped to us, but what can we sell? That's and right. what does the audience need? And then how do we get in front of them and let them know that's there? What's the solution to this problem from the owner's standpoint of what do they have to do in order to solve this nimbility problem? All right. Well, I, I'm glad to jump into that. What I want to point out is Elon Musk is one of the greatest examples of this. Mm-hmm. He couldn't get the chips that he originally specified for his Teslas. So he said, okay, what chips can we get? And they rewrote the software for the chips they could get. Hmm. Meanwhile, Ford has a quarter of a million trucks sitting in lots outside of Paducah, Kentucky, waiting for the chips that they can't get. Hmm. That's the difference between anti-nimble and nimble. So the first step is to not get locked into paradigm attachment disorder. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay, this isn't working. What might work? Right. We have to move to a troubleshooting, problem-solving. <clears throat> there are no holds barred. There are no wrong answers. There is no uh, no uh, attack on your career if we if we can't find a solution. So let's go find a solution. Mm-hmm. You have to remove all of the fear of the unknown because you have to fail forward. The, 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 one of the acts of nimbility is failing forward, and failure is not the opposite of success. Mediocrity, mediocrity is the uh, is the opposite of success. Failure and success are roommates. Yes, they coexist simultaneously. And for every success, there is a failure, if not more than that. Remember, Thomas Edison says, "I have not failed once, not even once. I've just found ten thousand ways that don't work." Now he right. wasn't referring to the light bulb. He was actually referring to his invention factory. Mm-hmm. Where they would try things and 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 try things until they found something. And there still is no one that has more patents under their name than Thomas Edison to this mm-hmm. day. Exactly. And I and you brought up a an example <clears throat> of this earlier, and I just want to build upon that example and in, in where we're at. And that is, you talked about Apple and Steve Jobs and his reality distortion field. So he goes yeah. out and he finds Scully to come in. And he said to Scully, yeah. and Scully didn't want to get involved in it. He says, do you want to spend the rest of your life selling sugar water? Mm-hmm. And of course, Scully bit. But the problem is what Scully brought into the business was a structure that did not match the model of what Apple was. That's you know, they, right. They came through and he said, okay, you have too many. You have, I, And I remember when he came in, it's like you have too many different computers. We're going to narrow it down to a couple of computers and, you know, we're going to branch out into these areas. We're going to try this stuff. And he corporatized a, a brilliant concept. 
and basically dumbed it down to the point where the actual people who were buying it said, what the heck is going on, right? He tried to do something that was outside of that reality. So he was more of the, you know, the C, you know, like you said, he, he was more of the CFO, you know, financial officer than yeah. he was the, you know, chief brainstorming officer, the CBO, you know. Indeed. He was, he was an operations guru. Right, exactly. And when you and when you have a stable product line like Pepsi, where the formula is fundamentally unchanged for over a hundred years, right, the value proposition is unchanged for a hundred years, and you apply that line of thought to technology, which changes radically every eighteen to twenty-four months, mm -hmm. and that's <clears throat> that's a paradigm attachment disorder just waiting to just disrupt the entire organization. Right. And so Job stepped back in and came became back to be the chief vision maker and the chief choice maker. And right. of course things recovered. Now, you know, the intention was good, help a scully build this company, but the reality is they didn't have sufficient perspective mm -hmm. to understand what they were really doing. And so mm -hmm. Scully limited innovation, attempting to increase resilience, but limiting innovation. Of course, they crashed and burned until they had to recover. Right, and that, and they didn't recover until um, you know basically Jobs turned the world on its side with the iPod, saying ten thousand songs in your pocket. You know, and mm -hmm. basically revolutionized not just you know the MP3 player, but the music industry. I mean, the thing about him is his. His reality distortion field was able to change the way that the world functions. So that gets down to the next piece of this. You know, we've kind of laid out what, you know, what is the solution, <laughs> but what is the process to get there? I think that's one of the key things that people got to think about is, okay, I understand the solution. We all have that. But what are the steps that people sure. have to take in order to make that happen? All right. Well, it starts with a leader. Mm-hmm. You as a leader have to fully embrace the concept of nimbility. You have to fully embrace the fact that you don't know what you need to know yet. The release of knowledge is the start of transformation. And the reason why is because if you knew what you needed to know, you'd already been through the transformation. Right. But but the reality is all transformation is opaque until you begin the journey to transformation. And every step reveals another piece of the puzzle that you will see the whole picture once you're on the other side of transformation go, oh, wow, there it is. I never thought I'd see that. Wow. And of course, one of the challenges with transformation is you can't market it or sell it the way that you sell products and commodities. Because how do you market something that people cannot understand or value until they have experienced it? And so that is a very difficult thing to sell if a person hasn't been through transformational experiences and says, oh, well, there's, there's an interesting place for me to go. I might check that out. Mm-hmm. Then the, then the next step is you have to take your key players, those people that help you with strategy and those people that oversee all your tactical deployment, you have to invite them to come along on the journey. Mm -hmm. And you have to teach them what nimbility is about. You can do that through having them read the book. You can do that through engaging with us for coaching or training or consulting. You know, we're here to help people through this process. Mm -hmm. And... Um, 
So this this is this is going to require some help because you need new eyes. And of course, reading the book, you're going to get some new eyes because we're going to blow up a lot of sacred cows. And we're going to in, in, invite new ideas into your mind that you're going to say, wow, I hadn't thought of that before. But that's mm -hmm. necessary for us to do this. Then once you have your executive team in order, then the next step is for you to plot a path to bring your company into nimbility. And that is the whole idea behind the companion book, The Nimble Company. And The Nimble Company focuses on how do you create processes and cultures that embrace nimbility and so that you have an organization that is upheavals literate. Now, you may not have heard that phrase before. Well, it's because we invented it to describe what we have to be able to do. Mm -hmm. An upheaval is another way for us to say execution risk. If you can't get a job accomplished for whatever reason, because you can't get parts, because your people aren't showing up, because they've taken a mental health day, mm -hmm. which, by the way, is a big red flag that you have a broken system. If your people are taking mental health days, you are screwing them up. And in the Nimble Company, we talk about about how do you become uh, nimble? How do you become upheavals literate? So that you know what allows upheavals and you take care of them. Mm -hmm. And then you're able to spot upheavals and be able to manage them and turn them into profitability. That's what the second book is about. Gotcha. So we've gone through this whole concept of understanding the nimble c-suite understanding the nimble company mm -hmm. and we've learned about the difference between going from a you know a profit-based market to an experience-based market to a transformational market all three of those things now we're at that point what is the outcome of this what is the the expectation of the ownership of the company and what is the expectation of the people working at the company well first of all being nimble is way more fun than being mm -hmm. anti-nimble. That's true. Yeah. And the reason why is because that intersection of resilience and innovation becomes a very safe place to stay and live because failure is part of the process of succeeding. So mm -hmm. trying things doesn't have a career impact. Making a mistake doesn't have a career impact. And the way that we structure things is you're going to make way fewer mistakes because everybody's going to be looking after your safety. And what we mean by that is your mental safety and your physical safety and your innovative safety. All those things are part of, we create a safe system. Just like when you go to the gym, you have spotters so mm -hmm. that you can, you can lift things that are heavier than you've lifted before safely. Well, we create that same kind of environment where we have spotters that help you when you go through these transformational changes to keep you from going off the rails because they're watching your blind spots. Right. And, mm -hmm. and they're making sure that you have everything you need to know, and, and they're giving you coaching along the way. So, mm -hmm. that, so the first thing is that you have an environment that's way more fun, even though it's disruptive and there's lots of upheavals, and you don't quite know what's coming next. Sort of like a ride at Disney. Yes. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> so that's, that's, the, that's the first reason. The second reason is because since you can handle upheavals, and we teach people how to spot, we, we, we break upheavals into four fundamental categories, which is um, internal and external, and foreseeable, avoidable, unforeseeable, and surprise. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, or, and so what we do is you have people that are out spotting and looking for these potential upheavals. We get rid of the ones that we can handle. We, we, we get rid of the avoidable ones. We get rid of the foreseeable ones. 
And then we have people that are looking after the rest of the ones that we may not be able to avoid or maybe that are surprises. And so we put systems into place so that we have resilience around those areas. Mm -hmm. And by doing so, you reduce the execution risk, the ability for you to not get things done mm -hmm. by a very high order. So your company becomes substantially more profitable. Right. It becomes substantially more viable, becomes substantially more reliable. Now, right now, if you have a favorite vendor that can't deliver, that doesn't help you. Right. But if that right. vendor was one of those nimble people that says, well, what do we have that can fulfill the same function in a different way? You're happy. Well, as you said with Elon Musk and things, you know, if you can't get what you need, get what you can and then adapt to it. Right. Right on. That's part and of nimbility. Well, the more execution risk you avoid, <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, um, the more profits you get to keep. Because businesses don't have problems, they have expenses. Execution risk increases the expenses that business have. So from a profitability standpoint, you're substantially higher in profits because your team's not burned up in chasing fires mm -hmm. and your organization isn't chewing up um, uh, resources attempting to handle things that could have been handled ahead of time. And so there's a substantially higher probability of profit and a higher probability of viability, which is going to make your investors substantially higher. It also means that your customers become much more loyal because they can count on you to deliver. Right. That's huge. Huge. So with that being said, <clears throat> uh, let's let people know about you and how they can get a hold of you. And then also, if they wanted to buy your book, you know, what's the best way? Do they they ping you know Marcus A. Smith on LinkedIn and say, "Dude, when's the book coming out?" How do they how do they find out more about this? Reach out to me on LinkedIn, and uh, the fastest way to get there is marksonlinkedin.com. M-A-R-K-S on LinkedIn.com. There's a lot of Mark Smiths out there. I'm Mark S. A. Smith. That'll just take you right to my profile. Say, so heard you on the Bacon Podcast, and I'll be glad to connect with you. And then <clears throat> let's have a conversation. Um, if there is a specific need you have, I might be able to uh, get you a pre-publication copy in exchange for an only slightly exaggerated testimonial to the quality of the book. And by the way, this book is authored with the amazing Dr. David Gruder. Um, he is an astounding man. He is called um, America's IQ expert, and uh, it's been an absolute delight. He's the best co-author I've ever worked with. The two of us together truly have brought some, birthed some new and interesting ideas to the world, and um, I can't wait. We've got a lot more books in mind now that we've got this one going. Awesome, my friend. Well, it is such a pleasure having you on. Thank you for coming on and dropping some sizzling hot bacon knowledge bombs <laughs> on my peeps. I so appreciate you, and I cannot wait for the next time, man. It's awesome. Thank you. I appreciate you too, my friend. It's always a delight. Thank you for letting us sprinkle some bacon bits into your brains. Want some more? Learn more about this podcast and our guest experts at baconpodcast.com. Have questions? Send them to askbrian at baconpodcast.com. Until next time, keep sizzling. And remember, it's all about the bacon.